welcome back to the Dream Lab series podcast, where we go behind the mindsets of high achievers. My name is Audrey Diaz, and I am your life and confidence coach. My name is Jessica Rivera, and I am your business coach and consultant. Jessica, it's just you and me today. I miss Sabrina. I know, I miss her too. But sometimes, listen, and what the beauty of it is that there's three of us, so we can always <laughs> fill in when the other one can't make it. Absolutely. And I think that that's just such a good representation of the three of us because the three of us have three very different worlds and so much going on besides this. So if anything, it's a testament of what you can do when you're surrounded by women that really want to support you, women that also have big dreams and understand everything that fills up our schedule. Yeah, I think it's also a good representation or a testament to the fact that we have each other's backs. Right. Right. And so it always feels good, even though sometimes we don't like asking for help, but it does feel good when you know you can depend and count on somebody else. It's so funny because now that you said that, I had a, a mom friend of mine uh, ask me for help the other day. And she's like, and I've been putting it off. I was going to put in the chat that, you know, if someone else can pick up my child, but I decided to ask you and it took so much out of me to ask you. And I'm like, girl, just ask me because you better believe that the second I need help, I'm going to be texting you. Well, I think that, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing asking for help. And as moms, I think, especially, you know, when my kids were younger, I can definitely understand where that mom is coming from. I'm, and uh, many women that I know had that same challenge because we feel like we have to do it all because we feel like we're not being the best parent when we're, we have to ask for help, which is so contradictory to when someone asks us for help. It's so weird, the dynamic, right? We love to say, yes, I got you. Let me help you. And then for us to ask, it just feels so out of the norm. It feels like we're doing something wrong, which is so weird. We're still, we're stealing the joy of everybody else helping us. That is such a good point because when we allow other people to help us, it's a way of blessing them. Yes, as exactly. And since we're talking about this and moms and asking for help, the topic of our podcast today is motherhood, especially being moms, being career women, being entrepreneurs, when we have other big goals in our lives, but we're moms and that role takes up a huge part of our life. And not only time-wise, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's massive. I, and I think for me, especially because I felt very alone. I told you I was going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I felt it may not have been the reality, but it's how I felt. I felt very alone in raising the boys. You posted a picture of you and with your boys the other day after dinner or before dinner. I'm not sure, but like the love and unity that you can see in that picture is so palpable. So I don't know the ins and outs, but I know you've done a great job and it's an inspiration to me. So I'm coming on the podcast today, exhausted, <laughs> fever all night. And I thought to myself, you know, I really just want to talk to Jess about how to be a mom because your boys are older. Yes, yes, 28 and 21. Your boys are older. Mine are, I have a, a mix of ages, uh, 13, 11, four. So I'm kind of like in the middle of it all. And kids are such mirrors for us. 
emotionally. I find that it's so quote unquote easy to be a mom to my younger kids. Like it takes a lot of energy, a lot of patience, a lot of focus, but it's easier in the sense that they're more likely to listen to you and obey. And you just lie to them. Like the park's closed right now. We can't go to the park. But with my older (laughs) ones, with my older ones, they confront me emotionally. And I'm in a place where I can't, I can't lie to you and make something up just to make this issue go away. I have to sit there and really bear my soul with them and really find that connection. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, it's interesting that you're talking about this because when I, when I reflect, when I, when the boys got older, we started having more like real, I put in air quotes conversations, right. Where I had, I never felt like I lied to them, but uh, there was, it was an interesting dynamic one day when one of the kids said to me, like something about me being perfect. I don't really remember. And I remember being in shock. Like, what are you talking about? You guys know I had Julian when I was nine. Like how, in what world am I perfect? Like I, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And I guess, you know, it's like everything else. We see the the now version of the person and we forget all the crap they went through to get there. And that's where the boys' heads were. At that point, I had had a pretty successful career. You know, we were living in this house, great neighborhood, all of that. And I guess, you know, on an everyday life, it looked to them like I was killing life. And, you know, my struggles, number one, of course, I didn't tell them all of the time or rarely. And they just felt like, oh, well, you're like perfect at everything. I'm like, babe, in what what world? I never finished college. I had you at 19 or, you know, I'm talking to the both of them. And I think at that point, I really started understanding that I probably should kind of be a little bit more open about the crap I go through to remind them I'm a real human being too. I go through things too, but I always felt like I'm, that's not my job. Like they shouldn't be worrying about me, Right. but the older they got, it was like, it's not them worrying or not worrying. It's just me sharing my life. And the more I shared my life, the easier it was for them to share theirs. Mm. Right. So they were afraid or, you know, think about it when you're going, let's say when you went through your divorce, you don't really want to talk to the person who has the happiest marriage. Right. You want to talk to somebody who also is going through the dirt, who also feels your pain. So similar concept with the kids. They didn't want to tell me the stuff they were going through because they thought I was perfect. They thought that I thought I was perfect. So I, once I started telling them the trials the tribulations and I started telling, oh, I'm reading this book because I want to get better. I want to be a better mom. I want to be a better leader. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I really started telling them about everything I was going through. Our relationship really started to change. I see that for myself right now with my oldest. And I'm mindful of that because I think that our, our parents definitely shielded us for so many things. I like, especially in Latino cultures, we have to grow up where everything appears to be perfect. And I don't really remember my parents ever talking to me about when they were sad or when they were struggling with something. It's just like, hold it all together. You keep working. And yeah, you have to keep going forward. That's life. But to have those vulnerable moments with my kids, I'm trying to do the same because I see how it improves our relationship when I am open, when I am having a rough day to be able to say like, hey guys, like I get it. You know, I, 
I don't feel well. Like I even tell him, like, I just started my period today. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> feeling good. And this and this happened to me. And I'm worried about this. So can we, can we just like spend some time together and talk about it? Yeah. I mean, I think also, I always wished I had had my, my second one. Yes. Then my, my kids are seven years apart. So I was a, probably a completely different mom with the first than I was with the second, the poor first child, they're the beta kid, right? They go, we don't know what the heck we're doing. Well, that's at least I didn't. Um, and I remember having even really challenging conversations around like drugs, which I know nothing about, but, um, I mean, I, you know, I smoked weed back in the day, but that was about it. I really didn't know any extent of like drugs and, and heavy conversations like that, that I wish I was more open to with my Mm. oldest the way I was with my youngest and my oldest taught me I mean again had him at 19 we grew up together right so he taught me so much about life about being a mom about being a, a human that the second one reaped all the rewards I'll say it that way <laughs> I, I recently read something that said that the oldest child is the one you grow up with and the younger children are the ones you raise and that's yeah. So true. You know, now that you say that, it reminds me of when I started dating again, I kept it for my kids. And I see now that it's more because I was scared. I didn't know how to have that conversation with them. And I thought maybe they weren't ready to hear it. And I, honestly, you know, they don't need to know everything because Agreed. I'm still trying to figure things out for myself. Agreed. But, but my oldest, who reminds me of your old, your oldest, I think you said is like, he thinks you're, he's your husband. No, that was my youngest, believe it or not. My oldest, and my oldest, the, we had just completely different lives, I guess, or, or not that we'd have to, we'd have to bring them here on the podcast to ask them. But, um, see my oldest, his dad and I didn't last very long. So when he was two years old, I then, um, met my second's my second Christian, we'll call him, we'll call, we'll call them my name because it's just easier for me. They're, since they're both boys. So Julian's dad, uh, we didn't last very long. And then I met Christian's dad when Julian was two years old. And so we had a five-year relationship before Christian even came in the picture. And so his dad, Julian's dad actually passed away when Julian was nine. Oh, wow. Um, so, so I always say to my siblings, like, like you, I grew up in a family where my parents still really love each other. They like they are each other's best friends. And I don't know what my kids have gone. I, I can't even relate to what my kids went through without um, my oldest, not, you know, his dad passing away. And then my youngest, both of them living in a single family household. Um, but I, I think that growing up and really, it wasn't that I didn't want to burden him with my worries. That's just wasn't my reality. So I thought we need to shelter our children. Mm -hmm. But kids know, and my youngest was the one that's more overprotective. But I think that I was just more, I was probably a little more coddling to my youngest than I was to my oldest. So there's that part, which probably played a, a, a part in it. My youngest was also always just independent. I don't know if you find that with one of your kids. Like, I remember dropping him off when he was four years old to so like pre-K. I'm like, give me a hug, babe. And he's like, not in front of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> my heart would break. 
<laughs> my heart was broken. I was like, oh my gosh. But then meanwhile, my youngest, which was like, it's like he's 6'3", you know, he's always been a really big boy. And he, at 10 years old, would be like, mom, you know, just like loving all over me. And he would tell, he would tell his teachers, you're almost as pretty as my mom. So, oh. you know, they're all, they, just like from birth, they're like so different. My oldest was always very independent, which now he's a little bit more of a mama's boy, funny enough. Um, and then my, my youngest was always a mama's boy from, from birth. Like he came out and he was like stayed attached to me the whole time. <laughs> So he's the one that reminds me of Ashton. And when I started dating, I would see Ashton like really upset and texting me like, where are you? Where are you? And I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I can't leave the house. It's giving him anxiety. And I'm in my head about what this means. And then one day he saw um, my boyfriend drop me off and he's like, I saw that. Who's that person in the car? <laughs> and then it's kind of like I gave up with the lies and trying to like say, stay out of my business. I'm an adult, which is how I was trying to handle it. And I just sat down with him on his bed and I'm like, listen, I'm seeing someone I haven't told you because I'm figuring out for myself. And he's like, oh, okay. And in the you moment know, I realized like all he wanted was the truth from me. That's it. And that is the bottom line. They really just want the truth. They want to be in the know. Mm -hmm. They want to be in the know. They want to understand and know that you are, you're real. You're a real person, right? They know when we're lying to them. They can feel it the same way we feel it. And so when you, when we start saying, oh no, I'm with friends or no, I'm doing this. It's like, mm, they can feel our tone is different. Our vibe is different as we're walking out of the house. And so the more honest you can become with your kids, I think even earlier on, and to your point, they don't have to know everything, but I don't think everybody, yes, I don't even think, I don't think anybody needs to know everything, to be honest. Um, so they don't have to know everything, but just being honest with them and letting them know this is what's going on. I actually recently um, shared something with the boys, uh, that was really personal that I that had been heavy on my heart for a really long time. And I remember after I told them, you know, you know, we're all, they're all older at this point. So of course, you know, they didn't even blink an eye, but they said to me, wow, if it seems like a weight just got lifted off of you. And I'm like, well, I wasn't sure how to tell you guys, this has been going on for a while, whatever. And they were like, oh, you know, they were just happy that I, I shared it with them. But they said that I felt like I seemed like a weight was lifted off. So people know. And kids do too. Yeah. And then like my, my 11 year old, I thought, okay, well, he definitely can't handle it. And <laughs> he said he was sad. And when I sat down to talk to him, I'm like, what happened? And he goes, you know, it doesn't hurt me that you're seeing someone. I'm happy for you, but it hurts me that I heard you tell Ashton and you can share it with me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Lesson learned, you know, and it's like any relationship with, we want real growth and connection and trust. I think it's so important to cultivate trust with our children. It's keeping those lines of communication open. And it, it's weird because you never know when that shift really happens from them going, being little kids to them being more mature where they can handle these conversations. Yeah. I think also, like you said, I don't think they could handle it, right? Don't you get annoyed when, when if you've ever been in a relationship and they're like, oh, we didn't tell you that because you couldn't handle it. Right. It's like, ah, is that really true? Or is that you're just, that you're just your excuse, right? So it's not that 
I think that we underestimate the resilience of children and the understanding of children and how smart they are and how much they really can handle. And when I think also when we make it a big deal, they're going to make it a big deal. If we make it light and easy and like, this is not a big deal. This is like par for the course. This is normal life. Then they'll say it's normal life also. So I think it's also us using that as an excuse to not want to take on uh, topics and subjects that we don't want to, or we're not ready to deal with. Right. And then that's, that's the key difference just in having this growth mindset, because we know of parents or hear of parents that like trauma dump on their kids. We don't want to do that. Yes. Please don't do that. We know of, of people that grow up saying that they had to carry all this emotional weight for their parents. And there's a difference in this. There's a difference in what we're talking about because at the end of the day, we're the adults and we're the ones that have to be responsible for what's going on in our lives and how to execute on those things versus just being miserable and complaining and throwing this on our children. Yeah, you know, it's a fine line. It's a fine line, like anything else, though, right? Because we don't want to let everybody know everything, including our children. And there is, when you're using them as your sounding board and you're complaining about their parent and like the other, if you're co parenting, or even your parent, your parents, your family, like complaining all of the time, that's not what you want to do. I think it's just, it's more useful to just lay out the facts. Hey, this is where I'm at. Let me know if you want to know this. And sometimes they don't care and they don't want to know. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think that's the other part. These kids, they just want to know the basics, right? Like most people, they don't want to know how the sausage was made. They don't want to know all of the intricacies. They are worried about themselves just like everybody else. They have their own big lives that that are in their minds going on. They really just want to know you're being real with me. You're being honest with me and then move on because they have like, uh, you know, their friend in school that did whatever is more important to them than you and your your last date with somebody. Yeah. And, and it just keeps an open door. So it's the true example of how to be there for them when they need you, because then you yes. establish trust and then they can come to you when something's going on instead of being completely unrelatable to your children. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, um, like I said, my youngest was a mama's boy, but then when he became a teenager, you know, things change and all of that. And I remember he was going to a house party and I, and, and I told him, listen, if they're drinking, if, if, something happens, call me. And he's like, he, I forgot what he said, but I could tell that he was like, I'm not going to call me. So <laughs> I said, listen, I, I want you to call me. If anything happens, trust me, I'm not going to freak out. Cause I was like, I would be the person be like, what happened? <laughs> not in those cases. It's more like what happened with something in the house. But if it's something serious like that, I go into solution mode right away. Mm-hmm. And so I tell Julian, my oldest, I said, babe, tell him, I'm not going to go nuts. I'm not going to go crazy. I will just pick you up. No questions asked. No questions asked. So then my older one was uh, able to affirm that for my youngest. But they were both, like I said, worried. But they always knew when push came to shove, I got you. Like, just call me and I'm, I'm, I'll be there. I'm not asking any questions until the next day. <laughs> I'm not ready for that yet, but I'm so glad that I have you. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause it's, it'll happen. It'll, I remember my, my oldest, when he went to junior prom, I went and picked him and his friend up 
And I'm like, wait a minute. Were you guys drinking? Mm. Are you, the parents were home. The parents were home. But, you know, it's it's what it was. And you just got to let it go because they're going to do, we like us. You know that. Like everybody. <laughs> they're going to do whatever they want, whether you know about it or not. So you might as well keep that open door. You might as well keep those open lines of communication because you want them to reach out to you if something bad were to happen or something iffy or they want to leave or whatever. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, let's change gears a little bit because the women listening here, we know that they're very ambitious. They want so much out of life. And sometimes the emotions that come with being a mother can really take over other areas of our life. So what would you say are some tips for being able to still focus on your business, grow your business when it's like, these things are so heavy. Like you yeah. immediately started to tear up as soon as we started on the talk. Oh, I love them so much. Yeah. And we've been through so much. Um, so I'll say this and, and, you know, we've had this conversation. My plate has always been full since I can remember. Cause I, I think part of it was, I liked it like that. And I was probably masking some other things, but um, what I know is I always had a big career and I worked in sales. So I worked from home a lot and I traveled and my kids were always in sports, especially my youngest was big into like football, every sport. And so of course I wanted to make every game like most parents do. And it's really about prioritizing. Mm -hmm. And I would have my calendar scheduled out. So I'm big on like planning my work around my life. Yes. So I plan my life first, right? So the kids have games, I plug them all into, and I always use one calendar for everything. That's just always, even when I was in corporate, I use one calendar for everything. And so I would put all of my, the kids things in my calendar, and then I would plan life, uh, plan work in there. And listen, did I get to every single game? No, I didn't. And honestly, they were okay with that mm -hmm. because it shows them that they are my priority always, but work does have to come first sometimes, sometimes. Now, if it was a playoff game or something super important or something that they really wanted me to go to, then that's a priority, but there's a balancing act um, or some kind of harmony. And it is the reality of any working parent. It's just the reality. And so as a business owner, um, or in your career, you have got to make those choices and understanding, uh, having them understand that sometimes it's a no, that's life. Yeah. That is life. And sometimes it is a no. And sometimes they will also have to make those choices and think about it as they grow up and with your, with your, with their spouse, with their girlfriend, with their boyfriend, for them to think that they're going to get that level of support from somebody else all of the time is completely unrealistic. Absolutely. Yeah. It's completely unrealistic. So sometimes, guess what? You have to have your own back or, you know, the neighbors there to cheer you on and take you here or there. And so it's the reality, especially with kids and having multiple kids in sports and having and having a life and working and doing all of these things. You have got to prioritize and somebody's going to get a no. Yeah. And sometimes it is your babies. 
Sometimes it is. Um, but I don't really, especially looking back, I really don't see anything wrong with that. No. I think, I think that um, we have to put ourselves first. And listen, in some cases, that means I've been running around all week and I just want to get my nails done. And I'm not going to sit there while you're in practice. Like to me, the more you make it not a big deal, they also make it not a big deal. And I also think we put this pressure on ourselves that does not exist to these kids. Absolutely. And A, I just want to say that it matters the energy with which you do these things, because I speak to a lot of women. They're like, woe is me. I have all these things to do. So do all of us. So do all of us. Like it's in our power. We underestimate how much power we have to organize your schedule, like you said. And it's a blessing to be. I asked, I asked somebody one time who said that to me. Um, I asked somebody who said that to me once. When was the last time you met somebody that's like, I have nothing to do? You don't I haven't met. Person. I you really don't, don't want to be that people. person. That's the other part, right? It's like you, we create time, right? We don't, there, we don't find time, we create time. And so it's really up to you to understand how to prioritize, what to prioritize, and when to prioritize it. And it's really up to you to make sure you're filling your own cup so that you can be that super present mom, be that super present entrepreneur, or whatever that sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I am fiercely protective of my time. And if you look at my schedule, it's all blocked off because that helps me be present in those moments. So if I schedule this block that I'm working in Dream Lab, nothing else is happening during that time. And that's usually for me when the kids are in school. And then after school, I make sure that I'm present with them and other things are coming into that time because you also have to be able to protect that time fiercely. If you have family time, you protect it fiercely. If you have work time, you protect it fiercely and you're present. And I, so what, Side note, I have a nanny that's for me is vital. I wouldn't be able to function without her. And I know that that's something that not everybody can afford, but you never know how much it costs until you look into it, even like a couple hours a week to get help from somebody else to be there to help you. But also I want to say, if you're building something and you have a family, we always say like, I'm building this for my family to create generational wealth, to leave an impact. So you better make damn sure that that is what you're doing and you're not just playing around with your time. If you're taking time away from your kids to go build something else, you better make sure that you're building it, that you're serious and that you're focused and your kids are going to be able to say, hey, my mom might not have been there a lot, but look at what she created for us. And that's an example to follow. Amen to that. Amen to that. I think it would be interesting though, um, you got me thinking like I need to have a conversation with the boys about what they think about that because I, I actually was criticized by a family member one time that said, well, you're always working because my I could take, I worked on a laptop the way we all kind of work now. I've been like that forever. And um, I remember this person telling me that. And I said, well, um, you know, I, I I definitely do work a lot. Right. I, I did. Even I would take my computer with me uh, in that specific case. We were visiting family somewhere else and I had my computer with me. And I, you know, if I had a second and the kids were playing video games, I'm let, like, let me catch up on emails. Right. I'm like that idle time. I'm like, I could be using it right now. So um, 
I definitely got that from other people. Never from my kids though. Um, so it'd be interesting. I think I did ask them that not too long ago. So just interesting to see what they would think about it now as they're much older. But I I always felt like, yeah, I work hard. I work really hard in the sense of like, and listen, really hard. I'm not digging ditches, but I worked hard in the sense of I put a lot of time, effort and energy into my work. But that's what afforded us several vacations a year. That's what afforded us for us to get tutors so that I don't have to be frustrated helping them with homework, right? <laughs> I, that's what afforded us them having everything it is that they had because at, when, when we went on vacation, it was whatever you wanted to do. Let's, you know, have boys. So we were doing something adventurous all of the time. And so, listen, I wasn't, when they said that to me, I was not even offended. I'm like, well, that's your reality. That's how you feel. Uh, but they were definitely going for the jugular. But at that point, I was so confident in the work I had done on myself as a mother and knowing that I was never going to get it all the way right. And that I wasn't doing it all the way wrong either. And that I was going to do the best I could for me and my family and whoever didn't like it, I was okay with it. You know, it's interesting because like something that I've always thought since I became a mom is like, oh, is this the thing that's going to traumatize them for the rest of their life? It all traumatizes them. Right? I have that conversation and I end up having this conversation with so many moms, like wondering, like, is this going to traumatize them? Is that going to traumatize? But honestly, like we're, we're all going to have trauma. We're all going to have things to get through. My parents, I, for those of you that know my story, I didn't see them when I was little. I remember being 12 years old the first day my dad took a day off, but that work paid off. And from them, I learned a work ethic. And yeah. I also learned, I want to try to be more present. So I'm not missing as much as they were from my childhood. Well, you, you know, what's funny is that, um, you know, number one, listen, we all traumatize our kids. That's yeah. just the bottom line. Look it up. It's many, many studies have shown that uh, we, we, we do traumatize our kids. We all got traumatized by our parents, right? Because no, we don't come with a, uh, a manual, right? And the way you parent one kid, if you do with the next, it was all wrong, right? The first kid, it could have been all right. And the next kid, it's all right. So listen, we don't come with manuals. We're all human beings and we're all figuring this out. But what I think is is interesting is that, you know, as it relates to, to the relationship that I have with my parents, uh, which is an amazing one, I've always felt very close to both of my parents. My my house was like the party house. All of our friends could come over whenever, guys, girls, everybody. Um, my parents were extremely welcoming to everyone. And I always felt, I remember feeling when I had Julian that they were too relaxed with me. Like they, they were, if you know, the tiger mom, the hover mom and the, the and the hippie mom. Hmm. Right. So the tiger mom is like the strict one. The hover mom is like always the helicopter over what your kids are doing. And then the hippie mom kind of lets you do whatever you want. And then like, I'm here for you when you need me. And that was my parents were very much that vibe, not all the way there, but very much. So like they just believed in us, like whatever you need. But if you need us, we got you. And I felt like they kind of let us do too much. So I definitely was the hover mom. 100% when it came to Julian, especially because I felt like, you know, he was my first baby. He was so sweet, so nice. I didn't want anyone taking advantage of him. I was like hardcore. I remember his best friend till this day. They've been best friends since birth. Says, remember that time you came to my house? Remember that time I took Julian's Pokemon cards? I said, yeah, I sent him right back to go get them. He said, no, you did it. You came. 
And you said, give my son back his Pokemon cards. <laughs> so I was the hover mom. I was definitely the hover mom. But what I learned was that my parents were smarter than me. And to me, that did help me have more resilience, more dependence on myself, which did help me in life, right? And I remember as they got older, I'm like, oh my gosh, actually they did it way better than I did it, <laughs> you know? It's like, you think your parents had it wrong um, or that you could do it better than them. But the reality was for me anyway, was like, I needed to release a little bit more and allow them to make the mistakes on their own because it's going to happen anyway, whether you know it or not. And um you know, again, all these like life lessons, it's like, you think you can do it better, but that may not necessarily always be the case. At least it wasn't for me. We're growing up with them. Yeah. We have to understand that and be okay with that. They're going to get so many different versions of us, just like we get so many different versions of them. And I think that that's what maybe I didn't understand about me. Right. It's like, I'm also now, you know, when I got older and they got older, yes. But in the moment when, cause I guess, cause I had them so young, I didn't think about it that way, but that is the best way to think about it. Like you, yeah, you're going to keep changing, evolving, changing, changing, and they're going to continue to see different versions of you. And I think if you set that tone early on and let them know, Hey, like, this is not always going to be me. I'm also changing the same way you're growing and changing. I'm actually still growing and changing in my mind and, and other things. So that's a beautiful way to think about it. Wow. So much in this topic and so much further that we could go. Yeah. The value of being with women that get it. Yes. And that have grown and that have done the work and continue to do the work because it's every time you think you got it right, it's like, oh, wait, I still have something else to work on. <laughs> a whole new leaf. To yeah. Open up. So you know where else you could be with women that get it with us at our next self-made Muhaid conference on March 23rd. Yes. March 23rd is going to be such, we're curating such an amazing day. It's going to be so different than anything that I have been at. And I, and I go to a lot of events. Um, and it's always, of course, empowering and amazing and fun. But the topics this year and the way the format is going to run, I think is going to be very different than anything that uh, people have experienced. What's going to set this one apart more is the actionable items that are going to be there for women to implement right away. Yeah. From experts yeah. in the field. So if you want growth, you're going to get it. <laughs> you're going to get it. And if you, if you're not sure that you want growth, it, if you're even thinking, Oh, I don't know. Then that means yes. If you pondered, maybe I should, then that's a hell yes. Um, and again, being in these rooms, has truly and continues to truly help me grow. Every time I go to a conference, whether I'm in as a participant or speaking, I mean, the power, the energy, the, the, the vibe that I get, it's, it's unmatched. I can't even, it's hard to describe. So if that's a yes for you guys, which I know it is, if you're listening to this podcast, early bird tickets go up after December 1st. So you only have a couple of days really to take advantage. The lowest that these prices are going to be, we got the VIP package, which is going to be even more intimate, even more special, which will accelerate your growth even more. So make sure you're there. Go to our website, the dreamlab.info, go check it out and we'll see you there.
Yes. So excited. Can't wait to see you guys. Happy Friday. Happy Friday.